We good? I think we good. Oh, I see. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's start over, shall we? How annoying is that? How annoying is that? Welcome. We're starting over because there was no audio. Oh, good. I'm glad you can hear me, Biz. All right. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. Technical snafu aside, we're talking Evil Dead Rise. I love Evil Dead. Evil Dead is a part of my my makeup, man. It's like, you know, you know, talk about things that informed my formative years, you know, or however that phrase goes. Evil Dead, of course, you know. Um, nothing is more nothing is more intrinsic to growing up than Evil Dead films and a rite of passage. You know, I just, I love those movies. I, I love all of it. Just give me every, every little bit of it. I, I will eat it up. Uh, this new one is directed by a guy named Lee Cronin. He's an Irish filmmaker. He only made one other movie called The Hole in the Ground, which I have not seen. Maybe I will check that out for, uh, what's it called? 31 Days of Halloween this year. I don't know if I'm going to do the reviews though. I might just do it privately. I'm going to take a poll. And if I get enough votes for it, I'm going to do it because, you know, those those videos are not popular. People do not care for them. Um, I mean, it's not like anybody cares for anything. It's just it's the Internet. Hello. You just do what you do. You do what you feel like doing. And that's it. If you don't feel like doing it, you don't do it. Uh, Evil Dead, man. Evil Dead. So when that remake came out about 10 years ago, you know, I saw it once when it came out. I don't think I've, I haven't seen it since, man. I think uh, that dude is a fine filmmaker, Feedy, Fetty. I think he's a fine filmmaker, man. He, I love, uh, I love Don't Breathe. What else did he do? He's got another movie coming out. Don't Breathe was great, though, with Stephen Lang. I saw the sequel, too. Don't Breathe 2 was fine. Evil Dead, the Evil Dead was fine. Like, I didn't need to see it a second time, though, or I haven't had any desire to rewatch it, uh, you know, take what you will from that. And, you know, I'm not here to uh, say it was bad per se, but, you know, it was just, it was whatever. It was, it was good. I, I you know, I think now I have to rewatch it after rewatching Evil Dead Rise. So now I kind of want to revisit it because I'm curious. And of course, those first three are just, I mean, that's religion. The, the, that's religion right there. And of course, I love the series. Ash versus the Evil Dead. We were so lucky. 2015, we got three seasons of Evil Dead with, with friggin' Bruce Campbell returning 30 years after the fact. I mean, what more could you ask for than that? You know, I mean, who on earth thought in the year 2015, we were going to get a new Mad Max movie. We were going to get a new Star Wars movie. And we were going to get a, a new Evil Dead movie, uh, TV show. <laughs> I mean, and you know, it's a shame, man. They, you know, the thing that I love about Evil Dead, and maybe also kind of am annoyed by Evil Dead all at the same time, is that it's so like, it's kind of amorphous. There's no rules really to evil dead. There's a book. It brings people, it brings demons through another dimension. They possess people. They're crazy. Anything can happen. I guess maybe that's why it's great. Anything can happen in the evil dead. And we've seen that throughout the entire series. So, you know, for this guy, Lee, who's written and directed this film, he's kind of like got a, 
he, you know, he's, he's in a precarious situation because on one hand, he can really go anywhere with it. And on the other hand, he kind of has, there's certain things that he has to abide by in order to, you know, keep the series feeling like it's an evil dead movie. And I think that was a big problem that was prevalent with the evil dead, that, that remake or whatever. First of all, I don't think, you know, evil dead does evil dead need a remake. No, it does not. The original Evil Dead is fine as it is. You can sequelize the Evil Dead. You could do endless sequels with the Evil Dead, but you do not need to remake that movie. It is an unremakeable movie. You know what I mean? And as we can see, you know, yes, people do love that, that remake, but at the end of the day, as I just said, I, I've seen it once. I have not had any desire to revisit it. It just was like, okay, great. It's, it's very violent. It's very violent. Let's say hello to everybody. We got uh, Kevin is here. Hi, Kevin. Kevin45. Uh, Gummo Dude is here. Biz is here. Uh, Ema D, good evening. And uh, Emi, good evening. Welcome to tonight's show as we're talking about Evil Dead Rise. Well, we're talking about Evil Dead, and then we'll go into Evil Dead Rise in a minute. So, um, yeah, like... It's just this weird thing. You can kind of go anywhere with it. And, you know, but at the same time, part of the problem is that there are certain things that make Evil Dead intrinsically Evil Dead, uh, with the main one being Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams. You know, it's weird. The Evil Dead series is weird in, in that much like kind of, I don't know, I guess zombies don't really, you can't really put zombies in the same category. But how about, how about this? How about Ghostface? How about the scream? We talk about scream on here from time to time. Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, she anchored all the scream films, man. It was like she was the main attraction. It wasn't Freddy or Jason or the Leprechaun or Chucky. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with Ash Williams. The Deadites are just the Deadites. We come back. We love the series because we love Ash Williams. When you remove Ash Williams, it's like making a nightmare before Elm Street without Freddy Krueger or making a Halloween film without Michael Myers, although the latter of which I think I'm quite okay with and have actually been clamoring for for some time. So how about this? Instead of, instead of using Halloween as an example, it would be like having a child's play without Chucky. It would be like having, you know, Jaws without Bruce the shark. So, you know, and in this film, you, synonymous with the Evil Dead is the, the other Bruce, Bruce Campbell, man. So it's kind of like, how do you do it? The Evil Dead remake did an okay job, you know, they because they kind of kept, they didn't have Bruce Campbell in it, but you had a Ash-like character and in this movie they had uh, and i this is where i really tip my hat to lee the director you had even less of an ash character ash character really was not even there at all they didn't try and sub supplant it because that's the thing that's the big downfall when you're using a prop when you have like a property that has something that's like beloved and iconic to it you can go one of two ways you can either try to replace it a la James Bond every couple of years, they replace James Bond. You can't have 007 movie without James Bond in it. Or what they do is they go in the opposite direction and they just, they try to do the thing without the thing that makes the thing, the thing. Does that make any sense? They try to do the thing without the thing 
that makes the thing the thing. And you're going to either, you're going to either, you know, sink or swim with that. And I will say in the case of evil dead rise, it was over overall. It was a, it was a doggy paddle float with, with moments of, of, of great fun and entertainment. And overall, I really had a great time. I enjoyed it. I think everybody should see evil dead rise. I, I just want to put that out there, but we'll get into the nitty gritty. I have a lot of nitty gritty, you know, little nitpicks and things, you know, as one does when you're just, you know, some nerdy, you know, jerk talking on the internet out of the side of your neck, you know, talking instead of doing right. <laughs> um, but the point being is that it's really, really, really hard. How are you going to make an evil dead movie without Ash? And Lee did it. Lee did it. And I tipped my hat to him. He did. He managed it. He managed it. Um, and it's not quite true because as it turns out, Ash is actually in Ash is in the movie. Bruce Campbell is one of the voices on one of the records. We're going to get to that. He's one of the voices on the records. And, you know, Lee has said in an interview, the director, he said that in my mind or in his mind or whatever, that that is that's Ash trapped in time. You know what I mean? Um, that that's like Ash speaking. It's not just so Ash is present. This is just. This is running parallel and the way that they kind of set it up. And this, I guess this works for me. So in army of darkness, for those of you who remember when he goes to the cemetery, when Ash goes to the cemetery, there's three books, three Necronomicon, three Necronomicon X mortises sitting on some slabs. And he, he had the whole thing. You see his face stretch out and yada, 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 X, Y, Z, one, two, three. So, he explained to Sam Raimi, he said, the first book is your book from your Evil Dead series, one through three. The second book is from the remake, and I have the third book. And so I don't know why that works, but it just does. Does it really make sense? Not necessarily, but does it work? Yeah, man. Okay, I'm down. Fine. So it's like, it's kind of like this amorphous in the same way that George Miller has basically said that none of the Mad Max films are really chronologically connected. They're all just sort of retellings of a similar kind of myth. I, I think that this kind of falls into that sort of like, you know, they're just three different sort of places in time that where the, where the book has fallen, although they don't call it the Necronomicon in this movie, which is fine with me. I'm okay with that. That that's okay for me. Um, in terms of like what happens in like the actual sort of narrative, basically we open with, we open in like the wilderness and the woods. And so you think, oh, things are starting at the cabin once again, but in the trailer, in the trailer, things take place in an apartment in the city, which was a real interesting sort of like uh twist. You know what I mean? And again, like you can't, I, I can't fault the director for being like, Hey, I'm being handed the keys to this kingdom. I got to try and do something different. I got to, you know, I have to find a way. Cause that's the thing. Again, if, if you make you're you're so you're in such deep trouble, just taking the keys from anybody because uh, taking the keys to a franchise, because 
if it's too close to the original, then you're going to get fried for making something that's very safe and cookie cutter. And why do we need that? And whatever. And if you go way too off the rails, then people are going to be like, they've totally lost the thing that made the thing, the thing, right? The thing that makes the thing, the thing. <laughs> I love that. Cause it's, it really does make sense when you think about it. Um, so you're kind of like straddling these two sides of the fence. It's, it's again, tough. Keep talking about that. It's either this or this. You're damned if you do, or you're damned if you don't. I will say when I saw the trailer for Evil Dead Rise, and again, I try generally, I depends on the trailer, like for the new Ari Aster film, which I'm not going to be able to watch at the Alamo Drafthouse because they're not playing it. Damn you, Alamo Drafthouse. That's another rant for another day. Um, that's a trailer that I avoid like the plague, but like this, this evil dead rise, there are certain things like I totally am going to watch any Marvel movie. I'll watch the trailer too, or whatever. There are just certain things I try to avoid. This was not one of them. I was like, all right, I'll check out the evil dead rise trailer. And I was so underwhelmed. I was almost like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not even going to watch this. I, I just, or like, if I watch it, I'll watch it. If it like crosses my path, like I am not seeking this out. This looks so generic. It's like disgusting how generic this looks. And as it turns out, it was supposed to originally be released straight to streaming via HBO max. And it tested so well, it tested so well that they said, let's give it a theatrical release. And the buzz coming out of South by Southwest, where it premiered, was very promising. People were just raving that it was, you know, an onslaught and it's gory and crazy. And and they weren't wrong, man. It is definitely all those things. It definitely has all those things. So I was like, and that turned me right back around and said, I'm going to go, I'll go check this out in the theater. So with all that being said, getting back to this, the opening, we're in the, the woods. There's some there's some people in the woods. I, you don't really understand exactly how they're connected. They're hanging out on a dock. There's this whole thing with a drone. There's a guy and a girl, and they're on the dock. And then she goes back to a cabin. So you're thinking, oh, okay, this is like a different. Is this supposed to be the same cabin? It's one of those weird modern triangle cabins where you're like, you go with it. You go in. She goes into the cabin and. Um, there is uh, a girl, uh, Jessica, and she is really not well. We can hear the buzzing of flies. You know what I mean? So like something's not, something's not right. And of course she's a deadite and we don't really know how she's a deadite, but it basically ends with her murdering the two people she's with. And then she floats out of the water and we get the, 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 the credits. And you know, the thing about this cold open is like, I'm just sitting there kind of wondering, like, what, why are, like, what do we need this for? Honestly, like, what's the purpose of this? Like, and, and I'll touch back on this later, but I, it had me kind of scratching my head. And I ultimately feel that the film did not deliver on any, with, with any kind of impactful meaning as to why we needed this opening, but whatever, neither here nor there. Uh, so then we cut to the main story in a completely different place. And, you know, uh, they're, they're, I, I don't know where this is. I guess it's supposed to be in Los Angeles, but they filmed it in New Zealand. It's funny. They filmed a lot of that stuff in New Zealand because Rob Tappert is married to Xena. 
and his production studio or whatever, Renaissance Pictures or whatever it is, they're down in New Zealand. So Rob Tappert, he's always doing stuff out of New Zealand since he was handling it in the same way that he handled the Evil Dead, the Ash versus Evil Dead series. Uh, everything took place in New, everything was shot in New Zealand, but I guess it's set in Los Angeles, which is fine, I guess. But it's kind of funny. You can always, he just has that New Zealandy vibe. It always does. Um, I'd like to visit New Zealand someday. D places that I really want to go, they're all really far apart and really expensive. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Japan. And I want to go to Hawaii, I think. I think of all the places I really, really, really want to visit. I've been to a, I've been to a couple. I gotten to go to a couple cool places in my life, but those are the three like bucket list destinations that I want to make it out to at some point. So we'll see. Um. So we're in Los Angeles. It doesn't really, and you know, it's like raining. It's like I feel like it's raining outside. Maybe it wasn't. It just had everything felt like really wet. Maybe it's because I kept all the streets wet like they do, like when they're like wetting things down. But um, it just sort of didn't really have like, I don't know. It didn't feel like Los Angeles. Enough about Los Angeles, Jeff. Let's move on. So um, there's uh, there's a woman and she lives with her three kids. I'm trying to remember the her. her she's played by Alyssa Sutherland, who is the MVP who's absolutely the MVP. Her, her name is Ellie. It's Ellie. And then uh, Beth is the sister. And then there's three kids, Danny, Bridget, and Cassie, right? I think, or is Danny? Yeah, I think those are the three kids. In any case, um, the, 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 the sister, the sister, she's a guitar technician, which is cool. Like, you know, typically you don't think of women in those kinds of like role, like whatever occupations. So I was like, okay, cool. Interesting sort of setup. She's a guitar tech. And I'm like, how is that going to play? Is that going to play later on in the movie in some way? You know, like whatever. I, I thought it was cool. So they like set up this, like this woman in an occupation that you don't typically see very many women in. And then we find out that she is pregnant and soon to, you know, she just found out that she's pregnant and this detail kind of, I don't know. It's one of the details that I found a little frustrating because I feel like it really reduced her. Uh, it reduced her to, you know, being an, an expecting mother instead of just being like a guitar technician. You know what I mean? Like that was the focus. The, the, the emphasis was not on the fact that she was a guitar technician, which I liked, it's instead like, oh, she's soon to become a mom. And it just, it was like this detail that we didn't really need, but we got, I was like, all right, whatever. Okay. So she goes to visit her sister, Ellie, who was again, played by MVP, all-star uh, Alyssa Sutherland. She just crushed it in this role uh, who be she becomes the deadite that you see in the trailer. And so she's a, she's a, a recently single mom. She's got these teenagers. There's, yeah, Danny and Bridget are the teens, and and then there's uh, a, a younger daughter, and her name is Cassie. And um, you know, we get the 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 Bridget, the older sister. She's like into protesting. Danny, he's like a he's a DJ, and uh, Cassie, she's just you know she's just a little girl. And um, you know, they seem like a tight knit community, and they live in this apartment. 
And uh, at some point, there is at you know they go to they go out to get pizza. And by the way, the name of the, the on the box of the pizza is Henrietta's, and this is the first of many sort of little Easter eggs that we get. And it's really cool, man. Like that that was probably you could tell that Lee is a big fan. You could tell he's a big fan of the Evil Dead. To you know when he with these with these details, he's like. I'm going to do my original story, but I just want you to know how much I love the original. We're going to put these little details in. I feel like, you know, who else was very, um, very conscious of that was James Gunn when he was doing the Dawn of the Dead remake, when he was writing it. Uh, like you had that store called uh, Galen's, uh, which is, the, of course, she played Franny, Francine. So in any case, there's a there's an earthquake in the parking garage. They they're getting they're getting they're bringing back pizza for the sister Beth. Her name is Beth, and Ellie, and um the 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 ground shifts and cracks open to reveal this like vault underneath some sort of vault, and um and Danny he goes down to check it out. Um, it's like a, just a weird sort of chamber and it's scary. And the pizza, Henrietta's pizza spills out. <laughs> Somebody's in my fruit cellar. <laughs> um, so Danny goes to check out and he finds some old school records, not vinyl records, mind you. These are even older. Have you ever been to like a thrift store or a, or a flea market? And you find those, I don't know if they're made out of glass. I think they're made out of glass. Have you ever seen glass record, like glass, not vinyl, they're not vinyl, glass records that you see a lot of, they used to uh, put operas on them. You see a lot of opera records, that sort of thing. Um, what's up, Alberto? What's up, Jody Ramon? Um, and uh, yeah, so he he takes the three records and you already you know what's on those records if you if you are a fan of the evil dead you know it's going to be just like the recording in the cabin they just sort of updated it that works they made him a dj you know when you go to see movies you have to reverse engineer everything you see somebody as a guitar tech you see somebody as a dj how is that going to inform the rest of the movie at least that's how i think sometimes and maybe it's because i'm i'm always striving to write stories myself and think about those sorts of things. So, of course, once you see the, the, the records, it all two plus two equals four. You know he's going to play those on his DJ equipment. And, of course, he does. And these records, they're from 1923. So they're 100 years old, these recordings. It's so weird to think that that 1923 is 100 years ago. That is, like, terrifying to me. Um, and and there's a, there's a strange uh, – he also finds the, uh, the book – the Necronomicon, it's wrapped in a shroud and there's like these moths inside. He takes the book up to his room and of course, uh, and it's not called the Necronomicon. They, have it, they call it something else. I forget the name, but they call it something else. They play, they play the recordings, right? The first recording that they play, basically uh, the first recording is kind of like just explaining the history. And that's when we learn that it's one of the three books of the necronomicon but they call it something else right so i thought that was pretty cool and apparently and they also called the book of the dead 
and Ash is on this recording of Bruce Campbell as Ash. So Bruce is in this movie. So Bruce does have, Bruce is in the end credits of the remake. So actually Bruce Campbell is in every single Evil Dead film up to this point. Um, Then they do the, the, he plays the second record and that's when they start talking about the research and all of a sudden, <laughs> you, you like my Henrietta impression? Yes, yes. Somebody's been in my fruit cellar. <laughs> Biz says she's never seen any of the glass records. Yeah, they're there, man. They're they're rad. They're really cool looking. They're very fragile. Alberto says awesome review. So glad to see that you're all here. Best wishes. And Ima D says, I really want to go to Japan. Also, I've been to Hawaii. It's so beautiful. But yeah, Hawaii just seems like the 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 best in any case um they play the second record recording record and you know it's going to be the incantation of course it is and the evil ru rushes through and again remember there's been an earthquake so things are not quite working so well you know and um and Ellie, she's doing laundry or something. She gets hit in the face. And then they, we get another nod to the evil dead, right? We get another nod and it's like uh, the, the cords, the cords wrap around her, you know, like the, the, I guess the elevator cables. And it's kind of like, you know, the infamous tree. I'm not even going to say the word, but you know what word I'm talking about. Uh the tree essay, I guess, is how you would put it. When 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 the tree does its thing to Ash's sister in the woods. And um, and we get a similar scene without the essay, I guess. And she fall, she 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 uh falls down um hard on the floor of the elevator, and they find her. Beth finds her, the kids find her, they bring her back, they bring her back into the house. And and she dies. She dies right there. And the, that's when we see start to see the flies and stuff. And of course, from there, things get, you know, she is obviously possessed. And here's where, again, they picked a woman who she first of all, she's she's breathtakingly beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. That's neither here nor there. She is she somehow her features. First of all, she has these piercing eyes. She has these very high cheekbones. And all of that gets accentuated by the makeup. So what you're doing is you're taking someone who is very breathtakingly beautiful and you are sort of using this makeup to enhance them where you're both like attracted and repulsed all at the same time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm going like, she's so pretty, but she's also so scary. It's like the perfect blend of perf of beauty and scariness all at the same time. And we get some antics. She gets in the bathtub and the, we saw the whole thing with the bathtub and she jumps up and she's crawling around on the ceiling. And, you know, and there's also neighbors in the building as well. Aaron agrees that it's a great movie. Ema agrees that it's reminiscent of the tree scene. Yeah, I've never read De Dead, Dead World, Alberto. I got to check that out. I I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Uh, it's been recommended to me. Um, you have these, you have like, you have these straggler neighbors, like these weird quirky neighbor characters. They're sort of introduced and established. I will say this. I kind of wish that they were better. They, they had better establishing sort of stories. 
they, they, I felt like they were criminally underused. And I, I want to believe I, it could be that, that Lee, the director, the visionary here um, wanted to keep the focus on the family and the, 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 the theme, the symbolic theme of what's going on with the family. And I'll get to what I think that is. That's my own take. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but basically we, we get all these sort of side characters and Ellie, she's running around. They're trapped up there, by the way, because the staircase has collapsed. The evil has caused the evil dead have caused the staircase to further collapse. They can't get down or they, the only way to get down is through the elevator and the elevator is all messed up. Something like that. Uh, so they're 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 trapped up there, and um, and and then you know she just she just goes on she just she just starts attacking, she's just attacking the everybody you know she's going and it's really scary because it's like she what what really sort of elevates the 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 terror is the fact that she's the mother of her three you know victims or a, a, a you know targets whatever she's the mother so there's like a conflict there's a conflict there in that you know the funny thing about um what's her face in uh cheryl in in the original evil dead she's ash's sister but it's so like it's so like in the back seat of the story like you, you don't even realize that she's ash's sister until i don't know it just doesn't really like register in the same way it doesn't feel like there are any stakes the way that they are right now, whereas like you have these three young kids that you want these two teenagers and this one child that you want to sort of survive. And that, you know, the mother, the mother is hopelessly gone because she's been possessed as a deadite. There's no, there's probably no coming back for Ellie at this point. So Beth, the sister, she's got to basically become the surrogate mom. She basically falls into, she's not so much, she doesn't really become an Ash. She's more of like a Ripley in a way. And, you know, eventually the two, the older two siblings, they get possessed as well. And they become victims and they get possessed. And then it really turns into, you know, Cassie, the young daughter, the youngest daughter. She's the only survivor and her, her aunt. And she's so it's like part of it is like I'm a surrogate mother to this child. That's my niece. And part of it is, you know, I'm preparing myself for motherhood by protecting this young child. And part of it is, you know, um, sort of th this whole idea. And this is really where I see the theme of the, of the movie. The core of this movie is about toxic family structures. That's what it's about. The, the Necronomicon possessing family members and turning them into deadites is, you know, the equivalent of like just you know, what do you do when you are tethered to toxic family? And in this case, literally trapped with them. And the reality is, is that Beth and Cassie, they are not going to be able to grow. <laughs> That's one way to put it. You could just say live. They're not going to be able to grow. They're not going to be able to, 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 to move on from this until they literally dispatch their their loved ones so it's interesting they literally have to dismember she has to dismember her family members in order for her to start her own family as as a mother 
So I guess that kind of works, but I ultimately, again, I didn't need her to be a mom in this. I just didn't need it. It, it was just an unnecessarily unnecessary element. And here's the thing, you know, I have a feeling this movie was just cut to ribbons. What do I mean when I say that? I mean, it was, it's a heavily edited film. I just have a feeling. I feel like they, they trimmed it. They trimmed it in a way where they, you know, it still really works. It's really good. It's like, it works and whatnot, but we're missing a lot of story or we're missing. There's more story there. I just have a feeling and they just they trimmed it all back to and and just to emphasize maybe all the action and so here you have this weird sort of pacing through the movie where it does feel like an onslaught but it also feels like we pass over things too quickly like for instance those those characters those characters that are in the hallway, like, you know, and that's where one of the double barrel shotgun comes from. Of course, again, everything is a nod to the series. So we got the double barrel shotgun, like little things like that. There's a scene where uh, Ellie, she rips out uh, a dude's eyeball and spits it out. And that's obviously evil dead too. And then all, all of them rise. They literally all rise and they all start saying dead by dawn dead by john it was a really cool moment actually one of the best moments there's this whole thing with the cat in the crawl space and it kind of doesn't really go anywhere i kind of thought there was going to be some more suspense that's how ellie gets back into the house actually i think she she crawls up through the i guess that's where we're supposed to establish that that we can get back up there that was okay again I'm, i was talking about how much i like it and now i'm just sitting here picking it apart that's generally how i review things i can't it's like i have to I have to think about all the things that bothered me. I can't just, you know, celebrate it for why it was great. Um, there's a, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I really need to watch it a second time. I need to take it in one more time, I think, too. Uh, eventually, her the her guitar tech background does come in handy when they when they need to figure out how to you know, get rid of the evil. And they ultimately realize that it's impossible. There's no way to stop it. And it just keeps coming. It, you know, you have to, uh, the only way to stop it is utter dismemberment, which we know is basically the same rigmarole that we hear in, in evil dead and evil dead Two, dead by dawn. And, um, but the way, you know, the power goes out. So she has to use her guitar technician abilities to stitch together some batteries so they can even just play back the recording. Now, here's what really bothered me. Here's what really, really bothered me. So you're telling me she's a guitar tech and she's you're showing us the scene where she's super handy with stuff. You're, you're giving us these little Easter eggs and nods and maybe you don't want her to become Ash and that's why you don't do it. But why is there no scene where she rigs something together to become, you know, uh, to prepare herself to fight the evil? And that's like the thing that I love most about the evil dead, about evil dead in general. And really, I guess evil dead, too. I don't know if anybody has ever like if you guys feel this way as I do, where it's like you put yourself in the shoes of Ash and you think like, my God, it's like I'm living in a nightmare and like, how do I get out of here in one piece? 
And then, you know, much like, okay, much like in Nightmare Before Elm Street 3, where the we get the dream warriors, right? So it's like they they fight back. And that's what I kind of love about Evil Dead, particularly Evil Dead 2. It's like it's like it's like where the final per the the final guy, the final girl, whatever, they stop being so helpless. They stop running and they turn and they turn their nightmare into this opportunity for empowerment by, you know, creating in, in the case of Ash, he sticks a chainsaw on his hand and he, you know, rigs his sh the shotgun on his back and he's like, let's go carve ourselves a witch. You know what I mean? It's kind of like taking the nightmare, taking hold of the nightmare and controlling the narrative. And it's something that's sort of in, it's sort of like in the DNA of all of the evil dead movies where you're in a, like I said, you're just in a nightmare scenario and you stop running and you turn around and you face your fear. That's what it is. You're facing your fear. And I, I guess we, we definitely get that for sure. We, she does fit, you know, uh, Beth, the, the aunt, she does face her fear ultimately, but I, I just feel like we, there were just these moments where we, we could have, it could have been pushed further and it wasn't um, in the same way that again, those characters were just, they're dispatched so quickly. Like you would think, you know, in evil dead Two, oh, there I go comparing evil dead Two to this new evil dead rise, which by the way, why does every movie got to have rise rise of Skywalker rise of the pink ladies rise of the planet of the apes. This rise. Everything's rise or returns or, you know, it's just funny to me. Like why rise rise of the rise of the minions? Like what? Why is that? Why? Why is that even necessary? You know, why is that necessary? Um, so yeah. Um, I also want to just take a moment to tell you about riot stickers. Do you need stickers in your life? Of course you do. Riot stickers are the bomb and we have a special deal with riot stickers you can get a uh, thousand stickers for $79. That's seven cents per sticker. It's got vinyl on one side. Sorry, it's printed on vinyl. It's got a UV coating. You can't go wrong with riotstickers.com. We're running a special offer. Uh, we're running the special. Can't talk today. We're running the special offer only on this website. That's directly in the description of this video. Link is down below. It's it's riotstickers.com backslash from us. That's F-R-U-M-E-S-S. -S. You can get three inch by three inch stickers, $79. That's a seven cents a sticker. You can't go wrong. Riotstickers.com. Let's play the song, and then we're going to keep talking about the evil dead.
Yeah. So as I was saying, as as I was saying, what about Evil Dead Rain? I don't know what that is. What is Evil Dead Rain? Is that a, is that a video game? If it's a video game, I don't follow those. So I don't know. Not familiar. Or a comic book, maybe. Is it one of the comic books? Those comic books are really, really fun. Of course, I read Marvel Zombies as well with, with Ash, the crossover. Um, th- those are really fun, too. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, they're, they're complicated. They're convoluted. So, in any case, they listen to the third record to try and figure out how they can get rid of the deadites. And they... They re- he, they realize that they can't because everybody got possessed and the only way is to just destroy the host. So essentially you have to destroy your family and your family is now toxic. And, you know, and so Ellie, she's taken out all these other people that live in in the complex in nasty ways. It's very quick. It's just it's too little too quick. She's infected uh, her daughter and her son. And now it's just Cassie and Beth. And they run, they make a run for the elevator eventually with the shotgun. And they, they, she chops, she, no, she blows off, she blows off Ellie's hand and, 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 um, blah, 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 and foot. And they all do this thing that we've not yet seen in any Evil Dead movie. But again, this is what I'm saying. This is why Evil Dead is so great. There's like no, there's no rules. So all the deadites, they all like gather around Ellie and they all sort of like pull themselves in into her to make one giant deadite, you know, Um, like uh, it's kind of like the thing, you know what I mean? And it's it's kind it's really, really cool. It's like it's really, really scary. They like her whole family literally gangs up on her, but like coming together in that kind of way. I don't know. Um, they make a run for it. They make a run for it in the elevator. And now they, 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 they fall the elevator. You know what happens? The elevator fills with blood. And, you know, again, just, that's just so in invocative of evil dead, especially, you know, it happens a bunch, right? Like think about the geysers in, in army of darkness and the, the, the blood that shoots out of the wall in evil dead Two before the the room starts laughing and uh we get this cool like homage to the shining where the elevator opens all this blood spills out there's a lot of blood they make it back down into the basement and that's where um beth gets hold of a chainsaw there's also like a, a wood chipper down there of course i think we see the wood chipper early on you know the wood chipper is going to get used and of course it does. And we get some chainsaw action. And you know, it's like just so messed up. Like this little girl, Cassie is getting rain. Like there's a rain of blood. There's a rain of blood coming down her. And it's her mother and her sister and her brother. It's just so brutal, man. <laughs> it's so brutal. And they make it off. They, they, you know, they escape Beth and Ellie escape. They're even, they're in like a station wagon. That's kind of indicative of the, uh, of the classic. The classic is the Oldsmobile. The, uh, the the Oldsmobile that Sam Raimi has put in every one of his films. It was not present in this one, but that 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 car kind of was invocative of it. The chainsaw is a sim- similar cover. It's like a cream color, that kind of thing. They make it out, right? And then we see that girl, Jessica, from the opening. Remember what I was talking about? The girl who's floating over the, the water. It turns out that Jessica lives in the same apartment building as 
uh, Ellie and her family. And it's just a ginormous eye roll. I just want to say too, you know, Ellie gets such, I mean, she's sort of treat, you know, those like deaths that like come to characters and just feel like they don't deserve it. I'm reminded of Jurassic world. Remember in Jurassic world, there's like that assistant who totally gets like swallowed whole. And I'm like, like she was annoying, but like she didn't deserve to die like that. It was just like, you know, you know, how like they build up a character like, oh, yeah, they deserve to get it. You know, that sort of thing. We basically like justify like characters, story deaths for like the most inconsequential things that they do in life. And um, I just feel like Ellie and her two kids, it's like, I mean, it was brutal and it's evil dead and you got to make, you know, people got to get possessed and turn to deadites. But it also just kind of feels like it's one of those things where you almost feel like they have armor, like they can't die because they're mother and children, like you can't do that. But it's evil dead for you. Um, but again, like the fact that Beth is pregnant, it almost kind of gives her a little bit of plot armor that kind of annoyed me too. Is a little find that a little grating. So again, I was like, you know, Beth doesn't need to be pregnant, man. I, I ultimately, ultimately, they it reduces her to just being a mother as opposed to being more than a mother. And not to say, hold on, hold on, let me let me clarify that statement for all, all the mothers out there. That doesn't mean that it's, I mean, to be a mother is to be everything. What I just mean is, is that like, like what, like it just, that being her sole defining trait, I felt like it was taking away from the fact that she was a guitar tech. And that kind of bothered me, as I said. Um so, you know, like it, it was just an unnecessary detail that we didn't need to see. And maybe because that, that stuff kind of gets cliched a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, it's reductive is what it is. It turns reductive. And I just feel like it's like, how about she's just like, how about she's not just like reduced to her womb, I guess, is, is what I'm basically trying to say. But I just want to clarify again, like being a mother or a father. I am a parent myself. It is, you know, to be these things, great, honorable, super human, all, all that and more accolades. I don't want to take away from that by saying that it's just that, like, I feel like, you know what it is? It's like, it's a writing trope is what it is. It's like, I feel like it's like a storytelling mechanism that's overused and it's just really tired. It's a tired thing. Like we just didn't need to see it. So, I don't know. That's just me. Uh, in any case, Jessica comes out and we see that she lives in the same building and she gets possessed and that's it. That's the end of the thing. And it's like, so what's, what was the point of the wraparound? Like, why do we need to see that? Like you just showed us this really cool, like goblin demon person, you know, deadite. That's like a consolidation of a whole family into one being that gets thrown into a wood chipper. Like, I don't need I, I didn't need to see this 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 coda with Jessica, who we didn't even know who she was at the beginning. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't know. Um, overall, it was great. It was really great. They pay. He paid homage. It definitely felt like it was heavily edited. I think we're going to maybe get like an extended version. If there is an extended version, I'd love to see it. I know there's an extended version of the Evil Dead, like the remake. I want to watch that. So when I do see it a second time. That's the one I want to see. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's really it. That's that's my review. 
that is my review. That is my story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, tune in soon when we have the first episode of John Christ. That's coming. I keep talking about it, but it really is coming. As a matter of fact, right now, I'm going to record the intro for that. I need to record the intro, so I'm going to do that. So that'll be another piece of the puzzle taken care of. And uh, thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, go see Evil Dead Rise. And uh, what else? What else can I say? What else can I say? Nothing. Nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll send us out with the Patreon. Peace, hair grease, see you real soon. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.